2: you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. We got uh, Voice of the Jayhawks' Brian Haney joining the show at 340. We have our... KU mailbag at 405 if you want to get any last-second questions in. It's going to be a good one. uh, We got some KU audio later in the show. Bill Self, Jalen Wilson spoke with the media earlier today, head of the Indiana game on Saturday. Some NIL news in the KU front. Players getting that Wendy's bag. Wendy's and Caroline BN, volleyball player. Jalen Daniels, football player. Dwan Harris, men's basketball player, Holly skater, women's basketball player, Jalen Wilson, men's basketball player, all receiving NIL deals from Wendy's. Okay. I wonder what that entails. Do well, you think they just get like free baconators? Honestly, that that'd be pretty sweet. But what would i is. Would you understand take that is, deal? If you were if you were Jalen Daniels. Just getting free baconators? Yeah. As much as you want. Uh
1: yeah. Why not? <laughs> okay.
0: What's wrong with the baconator? Well, I don't know. What it would, would okay. your coach be like, I will hey, say, you gotta eat a little healthier,
1: man. I will say about Wendy's, though. I, I used to be a big Wendy's Nuggets guy mm-hmm. but then I went on a bad run and then I have not what do you mean back. by bad run? Like I had like three or four consecutive times that I got Wendy's Nuggets and they just weren't that good. <laughs> okay. I thought That's you were what saying, a bad run. Means. I
0: thought you were saying that like you ate it like for like a week straight and you're like, <laughs> no. I just can't do it anymore. no no no, no.
1: <laughs> no I just had there was consecutive trips okay. in which I acquired the nuggets and the nuggets <laughs> just were not that good. That's all I'm gonna say. If if any of the players who are th-
0: sponsored to listening to the to, to this, you have inroads to the higher ups now at Wendy's, please bring back the creamy sriracha sauce. That's all I ask. <laughs> That's all I ask.
1: What okay, what I understand about this is so you know, they had Dave, right? And Dave had his image on the Wendy's. Yeah. How are they going to put all five of them on there? Well, I mean, the picture
0: was very big of Dave. So they could just make everybody just else scale smaller. It down, right? Well, that's no fun. Or maybe they, because I don't or is know. It like a rotating thing. Well, what you were talking about with the picture of Dave, that was just on the Wendy's on, uh, what is that, 23rd? 23rd, yeah. I don't know if this is in conjunction with all the Wendy's in town. Oh, we have true. At least two, maybe three. There's one on
1: 6th. There's one right next to us. Right, up, right yeah. next to the station. But is there another one? Maybe, on maybe sixth? not. I don't know. I don't know. Uh,
0: it, I guess it could be
1: something We're going where... to conduct an extensive investigation into where,
0: <laughs> the, Wendy's <laughs> where are the Wendy's are. are? Um, we're going to go locate them. It could be something where I guess like, you uh, you put a couple on on one of them and a couple on the other one. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I, I think I'm that's. Just, I'm just thinking out loud here. I mean, well, it's know. so it's a it's a little less interesting for like to me at least from. I mean, it is important. You you need Jalen Daniels and Jalen Wilson and like the stars of your teams right to be happy. But it's almost more interesting to me that um you have the extension here into. Women's basketball, and women's volleyball, because, yeah. yes, clearly NIL is in that part of things, but it's less so than it will be in you know football and men's basketball, right? At yeah. least right and now, while it's while it's progressing, but along. it's
1: definitely. I mean, I think it's definitely clear from like Travis Goff and everything that the NIL, the NIL deal they want it to be all encompassing. Yes, no, of, I agree. Like the entire. So what I'm saying which is, a good, is that, which is a good
0: thing. I think that if you see, I mean. If you're a, a top tier women's basketball player, women's volleyball player, and you see that, hey, look, we are investing. We're, we got a Wendy's sponsorship for a top women's volleyball player. Like, that's saying. a yeah, big no. deal. Absolutely. I, I think also specifically with the Caroline BN one, um, I know. So Caroline Crawford was the stud middle blocker for KU for two straight seasons, helped them go to the Sweet 16 last year. She transferred to Wisconsin. The, the rumor around it, I don't know if this is true or not, the rumor around it was it, it was NIL fueled. Huh. And so. Now you don't worry about that with Caroline
1: Bien, because no, Wendy's exactly. it's a, it's a, is here. It's an entire athletics department initiative. Yeah. Love Every, it. every sport gets in on the action. So you love it. Uh, that's good stuff. hey by the way, uh, Bobby
0: Petrino, this is completely different than that, uh, he's leaving Missouri State to be the UNLV offensive coordinator. The only reason <laughs> I bring this up, KU's playing, playing Missouri in State, State yeah. in the opener next year, so you don't have Bobby so Petrino no more,
1: no more Bobby Petrino coming to Lawrence. Which I
0: think is... A Good thing because no, it's, it's objectively a good
1: okay. Because is a good football guess coach. Played, guess who played Missouri Despite State? Him. Guess who played Missouri State this year? Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. And they almost lost, and they almost lost. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They almost lost. So it was funny. a close game. I don't know if they almost lost, but it was a close game. I think they beat them by 11. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's a good thing. More easy FCS schools. Just keep rescheduling Tennessee Tech. All right,
0: last quick thing. Okay. Uh, I just this just came across my time timeline. It's from earlier today, but I'm just seeing it now. Okay. Nine plus inches of snow is expected that, yeah. in Buffalo by Saturday night for Dolphins Bills. Yep, I saw that too. Good luck, to, uh Very exciting stuff. Did you see <laughs>
1: uh, what Mike McDaniel was wearing? Uh, no. Oh yeah, the yeah shirt was like, that was yeah. like I wish it were colder. Mm-hmm. If they get clowned on in the <laughs> snow against the Bills, that's gonna be a bad
0: look. I hope. Yeah, they're they're all like bundled up. Well, did you see the the report that? They had to put in the, you know how they have the bench heaters? Okay, yeah. That have the heat and they have the, like, almost fan type of thing to, like, spew it out, right, to keep you warm on the sideline for the players on the sideline? Yeah. They brought it out for the Chargers game. It was 55 degrees. Wait.
1: In Los Angeles? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's so soft, man. They're just going to forfeit. That's so soft. They're going to forfeit. Either that or they're... Well, okay, I thought, like, I thought the benches themselves were heated. I, I think they are. Yeah,
0: probably. And they also have. But they have those heaters. heaters. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're like the space heaters with like the fan on them to keep everybody huh. warm. They had to bring those out for that. Interesting. They're going to be like building. Oh, like they're going to lose by. They're going to the lose sideline. by a hundred. <laughs> okay. Um, we did yesterday what offensive improvements we're looking for from KU football in the bowl game and and what could possibly happen. Let's get to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the simple answer is you want to see everything improve. <laughs> Because it was a mess for KU at the end of the season, you end up, yeah, giving up in the mid thirties for, for points per game. Um, you just want to see everything improve. There wasn't really one thing where you you say, oh well, you know. But Derek, mid thirties—that was a massive improvement. It was from last year. It was, yeah, giving up thirty-three point eight points per game. That's you know eight or nine points better yeah, than you gave last year. It is yeah. an improvement. I'm, I'm not arguing that. And. And that is a good sign that it is trended in the right direction if you're looking at it from an overall program view. But there still is a lot to be desired there for this team. Oh, for sure. Um, I guess at the very least, like, and maybe this is a horrible matchup for it because Arkansas has a running back who has over 1,400 yards and their quarterback is
1: a dual threat. Maybe stop the run a little bit. That'd be kind of nice. Or try to. Well, I was thinking about this. The defensive line, especially for Kansas, has a lot of guys that are going to be playing their last games in KU uniforms. That's where they have the most veteran players. Sam Burke, Eddie Wilson, Malcolm Lee, Caleb Sampson. I would expect that, though, that guys like that are going to be even more motivated for a game like this, right? Like, it's your last game. You know it's your last game. You're a super senior. You're not continuing your career, presumably, probably, very likely. This is your last game. Leave it all on the line. Leave it all on the field. Right? Yes.
0: I think that's true.
1: And it does help
0: that, you know, some of those guys have been kind of nicked up toward the end of the season here. Um, whether they're playing through it or not, and, and that should certainly help with the time off. But I just I see Raheem Sanders on that other side. No, it's it's not looking good. No, it's not. It's
1: not looking good for the boys. No, like if we're, uh, like, if we're being honest.
0: I'd imagine that right now, if if you put us in Arkansas and we were, I don't know, Pig suey. <laughs> pig suey, pig suey Show, talk. yeah, Sports Talk, um, <laughs> that we would be like licking our lips right now over the idea of.
1: Or what do they? What we, do they yell when they do this? They do the woo? What do they yell? Is woo pig? It, they they woo, I think is it woo pig or is it? I think it so. Yeah. Suey? I don't know. It might be woo, Pig suey. Woo pig. I think it's woo pig. I don't woo know. Pig. Something sports Talk. Pig.
0: Yeah. Um. And and you have. Raheem Sanders, who does that mean we got to
1: talk like southern with <laughs> southern accent?
0: <laughs> if you want, go for it. No, uh, he had seven games with over 100 yards rushing this year. He had one, two, three, four, five games with 150 or more rushing yards, and his season high came in the uh, second-to-last game of the regular season against a then-top-15 Ole Miss team. He had 232 rushing yards, 9.7 per carries, and three touchdowns. He has 1,426 rushing yards, 6.5 yards per carry.
1: That yeah, scares that's, me. That's good. That's good.
0: It's not a good matchup for KU to just <clears throat> overhaul and fix their run defense. Okay, it's not, but, but can you can you be
1: better and hold them to 180 on the ground? Well, that's what I was going to get to. Is like, you hold them under 200. If Arkansas scores... 35 points, and KU gets, like, a couple turnovers. I think you have to consider that a success, right? Depends on the turnovers. (laughs) Is it, like, third and 12 at the 40, and it's an
0: arm punt? You know, where he just throws it downfield, you pick it off of your own 10? Or is it one's a pick, six, the other's a strip sack that gives you the ball at their 30? If they
1: get a couple of timely turnovers, but they're not touchdown turnovers. They're just, like, an interception, like, maybe a, a fumble in the red zone, and then, like, an interception in the middle of the field or something. So, basically, at that point, you're
0: saying, can the KU offense score more than 35 points while being aided by two turnovers from the other end? Yeah. If you guarantee me— Is that a success? It, I, would, I don't think I would I mean, call it a success. I that's a pretty success. low bar for success. I would not call it a success, but I would say that would put KU in the vicinity to win the game.
1: Okay, instead of 30, what if? or instead of 35, what if it was 30 points? You give up 30 points.
0: Again, I have a hard time saying, hey, you gave up 30. Great job. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's less, than what, that's less than their average. That is know, a great job. I know. I know. I just... I'm not saying it would be a bad game. I'm just saying, like, if you... Yeah, okay. If you give up 30 and you get two turnovers, you should win that game, right? Yes. I agree. So, from that standpoint, it success. is a success. Yes, yes. It's a success. Yeah. So, there's the bar, I guess. <laughs> and if you do give up 30 and you force two turnovers, but you lose 30 to 21... That's not sh- your fault, then. I mean, we'll, we'll say the I mean, defense wasn't great, but we'll be like the offense didn't do enough to step up for him, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like... The next the next day, the show the next day is gonna be, oh, the offense stinks. Mm-hmm. Why didn't we win? I
0: wonder What do you wonder? Well, what the linebacking core is gonna look like in this game. Uh, obviously with the defensive line, like I said, you hope they're more healthy and they have a lot of those those. I guess they're sure.
1: You wanna have Eric Gilliard.
0: Right. And
1: and but yes, I mean, he was not a starter. Was, yeah, he wasn't getting that high percentage. But
0: I mean, he snaps. still played. I think it was two hundred and like forty snaps this season. That's about twenty snaps a game. Okay, that's a significant amount of of snaps while not being like a, a huge chunk. And as much as we have talked about the linebacking depth improving, which it has, because this year, like being able to have Eric Gilliard or Lorenzo McCaskill off the bench, like those guys would have probably been your. Two of your better linebackers a season ago, but now without Eric Gilliard off the bench, like I, I don't know who the other linebacker off the bench is. It's like you have Rich Miller, Tywan Berryhill, Lorenzo McCaskill, and then if you're playing Craig Young at kind of that nickel position, who is the backup linebacker? And then if you slide one of them into the backup, then who's the second string linebacker? I have no idea. Gavin Potter's gone too, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe no, I mean is, uh... the conversation we had yesterday about. If there's a young player or maybe a player who we haven't necessarily seen a ton of because they just either haven't had the opportunity or they could just play better over the course of these next few weeks of practices heading into the bowl game and that they could have a bigger role and have sort of a quote-unquote breakout game. Um, And we talked about kind of the receivers. I wonder if on the the defense it would be a linebacker. Linebacker?
1: That makes sense because it's not going to be your D-line. No, like – probably not going to be your secondary.
0: Here's the guys that that maybe could qualify for that. So tristian Fletcher, who was a JUCO commit you brought in, um we haven't really seen him on the field. I, I don't know if he's played at all. He might be a, have been in for a few snaps. He's a sophomore, like maybe he gets in there. Uh Donovan Gaines is a redshirt sophomore. We heard some things about Krishan Brown in the preseason. He's a redshirt sophomore. I don't know. Um Dylan downing's a redshirt junior. He might be a walk on though. Uh, Cole Mondi, the former Lawrence High kid, uh, the one that maybe sticks out is Cornell Wheeler. Um, that was made a big deal when he transferred over because he transferred from Michigan. I think he was like a four-star recruit. Ended up like redshirting last year. He's a redshirt sophomore. What if with the extra opportunity, he ends up, um, you know, getting a make bigger it, opportunity, making some plays, and he's had last year to redshirt all of this year to learn the system I don't know that that line but the point is the linebacker court, somebody is going to basically either either McCaskill Gillier or not Gillier, McCaskill uh Barry Hill and uh Rich Miller are going to just eat up more snaps which is entirely possible to or one other player is going to that we're not used to seeing play 15 20 snaps in the game and if that happens it's actually kind of exciting to, to maybe see someone new out there
1: yeah yeah because like I said it's not going to be your d line you got too many veterans, too many guys that that play a lot on the D line, and in the secondary. I mean, with Shad Dabney also leaving, you could have, I guess, another guy step in in the secondary. But even like even before the Kobe Bryant injury, it's not like Shad Dabney was playing really at all. Like he only started playing because of the injury. So that probably wouldn't be a huge factor. And then at the safety position, you've got Kenny Logan, and then you've got Marvin Grant and O.J. Burrows who have both have been playing a lot anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you
0: could see a a big game from one of the transfer, like a Marvin Grant who it it well, took okay. midway through the season to, to become yeah, more comfortable with the system, the and now with, you have even more time off.
1: The thing with Marvin Grant is, like, I think he had a good game against Iowa State or somebody like that, and then he hasn't really, he hasn't really done anything mm-hmm. since then. And, he, and he's kind of billed as like a box safety, extra linebacker type, hard-hitting, run-stopping safety. So if there were a game where you think he might have a chance, but I think we had this same discussion about him when they played K-State or when they played, I, I don't, even, you know, I don't know. So he's, he's had opportunities, and I don't think he's really done a whole lot with it in the second half of the season. Yeah.
0: So we'll see. Uh, if the players just get to know the scheme better, that's obviously a positive, whether it's the transfers, guys who haven't played a ton, or you know, just the more time you get to practice it, that that's pretty important. Yeah. I would hope that they can stop screen passes, and this one's a little scary. They, they've struggled stopping screens all year. They actually they did have. well at it from the receiver screen standpoint against K-State, but obviously they had the one running back screen to Deuce Vaughn, which actually probably defended okay. It's just they didn't execute. They didn't make the tackle because they missed like three tackles. And then um, he went
1: for 80 yards.
0: Yeah. So, on a third and 12 if you zone. can stop screens yeah. in this game, like, that could be something you could probably work on a lot over the course of a few weeks off in between games. But also, I'm worried about that because if Arkansas is able to run as much as we think they can on this defense, you're going to be sending numbers forward and then all of a sudden they're going to catch you off guard with the screen. That's a screen. And if they scary.
1: run like we think they might, you're probably not going to see a lot of third down situations where you can just pin yours back for a big pass rush.
0: Although... It's not like Kansas has done great on the third and longs this year anyway. Right? No,
1: I know. But just third down in general. Yeah.
0: Well, and definitely that's another thing. If you do get them into third and long, that's been a trend this year that KU's not been able to get off the field in those situations, especially down the the latter half of the season. Yeah. I don't know if it's doing something different or if it's just executing better. Well, if
1: you remember, against Texas Tech, it had a lot to do with Tyler Shuck scrambling, which also is what Jefferson likes to do for Arkansas.
0: And I think he's even better at it than Tyler
1: Shuck. Is over
0: 500 rushing yards.
1: Man, negative Nellies today, Derek. Ugh. What's up? Why are you being so negative? Well, I just, I just
0: again, I I don't. <laughs> this is a good Arkansas offense. They're averaging in the games. It's pretty good. That yeah. KJ Jefferson started like 34 points per game. They run the football really well. It's a problem for the KU defense. I think KU can clearly win this game. I just, I'm yeah, having definitely. trouble seeing it on this side of the ball. Like, it's, to me, well, like it's going to have to I be you score 40 points.
1: Again, I think it circles back to if they force a couple timely turnovers, then that might be good enough, even if they end up giving up 31, 34, 35 points. I think you're right. Um, now,
0: as part of that, you also have to not mess anything up special teams-wise. <laughs> I mean, if we're playing oh, that yeah. game where it's, hey, you're not really going to stop them, but get a couple turnovers, like, that's, that's very get part a, of it. You know.
1: Because, again, with, in the K-State game, you get a three-and-out to start the game, and then you just give them seven points for free. Yeah. Be like, here, here's seven points.
0: Yeah, okay. I, I would kind of loop that in with the defense here, that the special teams has to just not mess up. It's not that they have to be exquisite. Just don't mess up, you know? <clears throat> yeah. No, I agree. Don't mess up. All right. Will KU attempt a field goal? Ooh. So, I mean, first of all, Arkansas' defense has not been great. KU could score a lot offensively. Maybe they don't have to. I do think the odds would say they do attempt one. But who will the kicker be? That's a whole other question.
1: will not it be uh, the guy with the really long last name?
0: I would think so, who went up for the K-State
1: game. Yeah. I would think
0: so, but... I feel bad, I can't remember his name. Clearly, they've had a lot of kicker competitions this year. And I'm sure this basically month in between games, they've had even more. So who knows? Could be somebody new. Could be somebody the same.
1: Is it too late to bring walk-ons? I I don't know, honestly. I don't feel like it should be. Also, because if if you're a walk-on, can't you just walk on at any time?
0: I don't know how that works. And also with the transfer portal, now that you can just play immediately, can you literally play immediately? Well, I mean, why would you? Like, what if KU brought in a transfer portal kicker right now? And they said, all right, you ready to
1: go? You ready to go in a week? Two weeks? No, I think that, uh, no, I don't think, because they'd have to like enroll and actually be in classes. Okay, so get them enrolled. Well, or but, during winter break, there's no classes. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they could. Just get them during a get him uh, enrolled
0: in a winter break class. I, I don't think I don't think that's how that works. Why not? I don't know. You would be enrolled in class. I, 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 Listen, I, don't, I, I don't thought you would be all about this. Coming from the guy who's like, just get him on the team and <laughs> tell him the play when he goes out there. I'm disappointed. Very disappointed. No,
1: I don't know. I agree. Get him in the huddle and just say, hey, well, especially for a run kicker, run this play, kick the ball.
0: Make it through there. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Kick it. <laughs> Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us in 15 minutes. We'll be back after this timeout on RCST. <laughs> Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And joined now by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. You'll be able to hear him on the call, KU Indiana, on KLWN. Tip-off at 11, pregame 9.30. You can also hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. KU has been on a bit of a roll lately, but it's only three games, and none of them are are maybe teams we view as NCAA tournament teams. But again, they've still crushed them. I think the combined point spreads of the Seton Hall and the Missouri games was minus 13.5, and KU combined to win the games by 54. Do you view this as KU is hitting their stride? Do you view it as... They're just getting time off in between games for Bill Self to have extra game plans, which is always a bad news for for the opposition, or do you just kind of view it as it's just happening because of a a weaker bit in the schedule here?
2: Well, I I think based on the setup you just gave, I view it as how often is Vegas off by that much Mm -hmm. in consecutive games, and normally they're right on it, and uh, in this case, Jayhawks' blown the doors off the expectations in their recent schedule. And for Saturday to go the way it did and when that was, you know, a, a point spread of what, three and a half heading in, and we win by 28, just incredible stuff. So pleased to see the progress that, that several guys have made, and yet there's still – some of the big picture questions about this team that that need to be answered. They still want to see Zuby or Ernest emerge to give more size and consistency to the five-man position. We love the storyline of KJ Adams as a Draymond Green Jr. type prototype like Coach Self was talking about in the victorious locker room there in Columbia on Saturday. But, as we talked about on previous episodes of Rock Chalk Sports Talk, for this team to realize its ultimate ceiling and, and maximum potential, you need one of those freshman bigs and, and maybe Ernest with the 6'4 wingspan and the 6'11 height to emerge. Now, Coach Self this week, out on the road with him, talking to groups around the state, said on a couple of occasions that lately Zubies had a narrow edge over Ernest just in the day-to-day. But if you went back and looked at you know the five, six months these guys have been here, It's been a one week at Zuby, one week at Ernest, back and forth kind of seesaw throughout, and so they need some consistency to start to develop there. I don't know what it's going to look like with Cam Martin, uh, you know, eventually carving out a bigger role because right now we're we're entering a, a stretch where in the next four weeks usually the rotation shrinks down to eight or nine. And, and he's having to play catch up here after missing such substantial time with the shoulder injury. But I guess what I'm getting at is it's been nice in the midst of some of these wins to see guys rise up, Kevin McCullough having a season high twenty one, KJ Adams the product of a, a great matchup there and capitalizing on Missouri's overplaying defensively to get all those dunks. But he, he made the plays happen himself. It's a big buckets and big block inside and that's a huge confidence boost for him. But some of our questions about this club in in getting to where they want to be ultimately still remain. So I think Coach Self would very you know, responsibly say, hey, it's been great to to win comfortably and emphatically in some of these recent games, but that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg of where we're trying to get right now. We still have a lot of things, including the development of MJ Rice uh, that, that we'd like to see blossom in the next three or four weeks before you really start to get into the teeth of your schedule.
1: Yeah, Brian, you mentioned how Bill Self likes to shorten his bench usually later in the season. I guess I'm curious with some of the struggles that the bench has had. Do you think that could happen like sooner, maybe, than what we normally see? Or I guess, what do you? How do you think that kind of plays out with the rotation going forward?
2: Well, I, I think he really wants to see MJ Rice become a. 18 to 20 minute per game type player. And again, from some of the things he's told groups around the state this week, you know, MJ's had some heart to hearts with coach and they want to find more of a role for him, but he's had tough luck with staying healthy in the preseason and early season, whether it was a sore back or kidney stones or whatever, you know, he's missed a lot of time. And so now that he's finally getting consistent practice reps in, I think it's, it's not unreasonable to assume he's going to have a steady ascent here in the more minutes and hopefully he'll make the most of those additional minutes and, and be more in the mix but Bobby and Joe have both carved out rules that they're going to be in this rotation. From there it's where's the spot for MJ and then which of those two freshman bigs emerges. Could there be games where Cam or Zach Step up, absolutely, because it's not like anybody has a stronghold on that five spot. KJ is clearly coming off his best game, but it's not like you know that position has been cemented by any means. And I think, if anything, KJ shown he's going to be a rotational guy. Is he the long-term five spot answer? And we'll see. But right now, he's got a good inside pole position there, but uh, you know how strong of a hold is it? And then you know who emerges at what weight behind him and how quickly you know does that person gain more time out there at the five spot? That all remains to be seen, and right now it's just a matter of consistency that's standing in the way from one of those younger guys with a big upside high ceiling starting to get more chances. So I think that while he ideally loves the number eight, I just listed... You know, four bench players in Pettiford, Yesufu, Rice, and the winner of whoever the big man backup is, that would get you to nine spots right there. So I don't see it shrinking any sooner, and I think he's going to be hard-pressed to get it to eight, uh, because I really think he feels like this team's highest ceiling and optimal potential has M.J. Rice and one of those freshman bigs. Playing a significant role, not a starting role or a starring role, but a significant bench role. And right now, none of those three freshmen after Brady Dick have come anywhere close to scratching the surface of their potential. But I think he thinks it needs to happen at some point within this season. And the good news is, last year's proof that, you know, even though coaches like to shrink the rotation in late January, Last year, we didn't become who we ultimately were until Remy Martin finally got it going in March. And David McCormick played like a much different guy with his five best career games in the last three and a half weeks of our season. So a metamorphosis of a rotation or a lineup or whatever doesn't have to tried and true be solved by February 1. It can sometimes bleed a little bit deeper into the season. It's just been typically the case that under self. Usually by mid-January, you have a pretty good feel for who those primary eight or nine are.
0: There was the KU game in Honolulu in 2016, which I I could have sworn that I remembered you you didn't get to call because there was a football game. I could be wrong with that. Um, Okay, so that's that's right. And so then I I also don't know how much you remember from the other meetings in 1993 when we had a a young Brian Haney and uh, you had the, the 1993 NCAA tournament game. You had the 1993 game in December where Jock Vaughn hits the shot in Allen Fieldhouse. Do you have uh, a favorite memory or or something around the past series with Indiana?
2: Do I? Do I? Okay. Let me tell you how much I remember 93. <laughs> I'm one of those Allen Fieldhouse truthers that actually believes it was louder on Jock's three than it was T-Rob's wow. block. <gasps> Did he really just say that? Oh my God. Controversy. I do, and I heard a story this week from somebody that was working the, the end-of-game horn that goes off when the clock hits zero. Uh, one of the, the scoreboard clock operators told me a story this week that it was so loud when he hit that three in overtime that the guy forgot to flip the switch to turn off the horn And it literally was just going for eight seconds (laughs) because it wasn't like an automated, you know, one second and you're out buzzer like we have nowadays. And he forgot to flip the switch. It was so loud. I was 13 years old. So maybe I was a little more impressionable than I was at, you know, 32 years old when T-Rob had the block, but I was there for both. And I'm not here today to tell you that one's better than the other. They're both iconic moments, but Certainly, the, the history and the significance of Missouri's last game as a conference opponent and the big comeback and all that makes the Tiva block more important. But in terms of like just a fieldhouse erupts type moment. Back then, Indiana was more of a blue blood. Now, I, I think they're clearly second tier when it comes to college basketball tradition resumes, and we're not here to debate that. But there really isn't a debate when they haven't been to a Final Four and so too. But you know, back then, you know, you're, you're talking about Indiana, Bobby Knight, you know, all of the the great legacy that he built there, and Jock Fawn, the Parade All American, McDonald's All American, gets the ball 15 seconds to go, sprints down the floor brings it to the right side of the arc. And the whole time he's trying to find one of his veteran big men to throw it into, but they're all covered up. And so a kid not known for his three-point shot has a pump fake and then lets it fly from the right wing. Cash money, baby. Crowd goes nuts. Uh, 13-year-old Brian Haney screams so loud he can't even hear himself. And, and the you know, whole place was just pandemonium. And all this week I've been chasing Jock, a guy that I chased for 10 years as the sports director killed up and we could never get him on the show he was always the elusive interview that i never landed (laughs) and this week this year with indiana coming back for the first time since 1993 i went to former rcst co-host scott pollard i went to great kansas color analyst greg gurley both of which are close friends of shock and then chris tyson helped me go through brooklyn nets pr and between the three of those angles we got him, and he's going to put out a video. We are at KU Hoops, but it was sent to us from him. of Jacques in a quarter zip with that beautiful black and gray beard that, that looks like James Harden describing that play almost in play-by-play fashion. Like when he gets to the end of the shot, I think he says something like buckets. It almost <laughs> sounds like Gus Johnson. And then he goes, Jayhawks win 86-83. Jayhawks win, and that's going to come out tomorrow on social media with the video of the shot and him describing it. So I know that uh, you know Nick wasn't born yet, the birthday boy who just <laughs> celebrated his Danny Manning birthday this week. He wasn't born yet in 93. He's going to have to go back and look at the VHS cassette deck of that shot. Uh, Derek, were you born yet? I, I guess no. uh, you probably <laughs> weren't either. Oh, my no. goodness. You guys are so young. You're so young. <laughs> well, when you see this video and, and you see the gray bearded Jacques Vaughn describing it, just remember I told you, I think that was the loudest I ever heard it. And, uh, and it was special. So I can't wait for Indiana to come back. You didn't know you were going to get a seven-minute monologue asking that question, but I actually wrote a paper on that moment wow. for one of my, my high school classes about an impactful moment of my childhood. I chose... <laughs> <laughs> December of 93, Josh Vaughn, Indiana. So, yes, Derek, in long-form answer, I do have feelings about Kansas, Indiana, and it's all about 93, baby.
0: That's awesome. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. Uh, as far as this one, you know, I, I guess you don't need uh, a moment like that, but but certainly it would uh, be pretty cool if if you get one on the call after, after that great story. But uh, Indiana comes in, top 15 team in the country, Trace Jackson-Davis, I think I, I, I was looking at betting odds and it had Jalen Wilson tied second for National Player of the Year and Trace Jackson Davis was one spot behind him. Was, Jalen was tied with Oscar Shebway just behind Zach Eady and then Trace Jackson Davis was uh, I guess at that point technically fourth. So that's going to be the, the big billing, the big story of the game. I don't know how much they'll match up on each other, but but certainly when you have two National Player of the Year candidates, All-American candidates, that'll be the, the kind of national story. Uh, what Overall, though, sticks out to you about this matchup and that Kansas has to do well to come out on top?
2: Well, first off, I mean, how lucky are we? We were saying the same thing about Abaji versus Shibue, you know, just about nine months ago, having two national player of the year contenders going toe to toe. And I hate to bring up that game because it didn't go well. But obviously, that was a turning point for Kansas that led them to the great title run that they enjoyed. But the fact that Faces change, but we've got another national Player of the Year contender and, and potential front runner, and he's going toe to toe with another marquee matchup school and an individual like Jackson Davis. I mean, that's that's exciting stuff. This team doesn't have the length or the height. That Tennessee had, but when you've got a premier post player like Jackson Davis, who averages 17 and 8, and a uh, consensus preseason first team All American after being a third team All American in his junior year, uh, that's clearly going to test an undersized Kansas team, undersized based on the primary rotation guys. If you were playing them three months from now in the tournament and Ernest was more established, uh, we wouldn't be calling Kansas an undersized team, but based on who we have ready right now, uh, you know, KJ is going to be given up two and a half inches probably to Jackson Davis, and so that's that's an obvious concern. After that. You know, Xavier Johnson's a guy that's a secondary score for them, a good distributor as well with over five assists a game. They've got four guys that all kind of average between 9 and 11 points. But clearly the straw that stirs the drink is, is Jackson Davis. And Coach Self talked on Hawk Talk this week about getting a chance to coach him on one of the, the Team USA squads and the familiarity they have. I know he and Jay will go way back from Jalen's comments. Uh, earlier uh, today even so I, I'm intrigued to see that matchup how Kansas handles the sides because while it won't be what it was versus Tennessee it's certainly the most polished big man they would have faced all season and how do they combat that uh, buckets won't come as easy obviously in this matchup as they did last Saturday when we were just lobbing it over the top of the Tigers defense so really intrigued to see all that unfold intrigued to see Coach Woodson and Coach Self go back and forth and even though I, I kind of you know, poo pooed on the the last 20 years of Indiana basketball earlier, this is still such a, a proud program. Assembly Hall's an awesome place to get to watch a college basketball game, and there's so much tradition. We respect them a ton. I just, you know, I've been asked this question probably 10 times this week. I just don't see them anywhere near the Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina, UCLA tier of blue bloods to me it's it's clearly in a second tier with your arizonas and michigan states and that kind of thing but uh they did get us as you referenced in 2016 and you know you look at the all-time series and indiana has the lead eight six so we owe them a few let's go get one tomorrow and uh right before you called i was finishing up taping pregame with grady dick and i told him a shorter version of the jacques Vaughn story that i told you And i said you know that was a McDonald's All-American, freshman, stepping up in the moment in Kansas, Indiana, delivering a dagger three. Maybe, just maybe, we could have something similar 29 years later. How's that sound? Then he winked at me and said, I like that. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe it's not that close. Maybe it is. But uh, we definitely got some guys with ice water in their veins, just as we did back then. And uh, hopefully we see some major drama tomorrow. And, you know, Dick Vitale is going to be on the call. And uh, I I do want to congratulate Dick on winning his battle with cancer. We're going to have something special for you inside the fog on Saturday. uh, that You're going to want to stay in your seats for in recognizing him. So I'll give you a little bit of a tip of the cap there. Great to have Dickie V back. Not only a guy that beat cancer himself, but has raised millions and millions and millions of dollars, especially for pediatric cancer research, through his foundation. So he's a hero of mine. Say what you want to say about his style calling games. but that guy's done so much from his position of influence as one of the faces of college basketball, and I hope KU fans show him some love on Saturday in a very special kind of way. And you'll know what I'm talking about if you're in the house.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's very well said on uh, Dickie V. Not many people have done more for cancer research and college basketball than him. Well, Brian, I appreciate the time as always, man. Looking forward to hearing you on the call. And uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller.
2: Hey, real quickly, I, I, I learned just how much older I am than the people I'm now working with. Earlier this week <laughs> when we were interviewing Dan Fitzgerald, our new baseball coach, and he and I were yucking it up about the famous Tom Amansky videos. Baseball instructional videos that Fred McGriff kind of cheesily endorsed back in the day. Hall of Famer Fred McGriff, by the way. And there were all these, uh, you know, not millennials, but what is it, Gen Z kids behind the camera. None of them knew. About the Tom Amansky videos that used to air in every commercial break of SportsCenter, and I'm sure Mr. 25-year-old, and, and I guess you're just about to celebrate your uh, 28th birthday, so you're you're in your Mike Trout year right now at 27. <laughs> there, Mr. Johnson, you guys probably haven't heard of Tom Amansky either. No, I do. Uh, no, I have seen the video though. Okay, good. I'm glad because uh, this has been just a, an eye-opening week for me on a generational gap. <laughs> but I don't feel that old. But man, apparently I am. So uh, happy birthday, belated Nick. You're one of my favorite guys, Derek. I Hope you know how I feel about you. And I got your your Christmas gift last week. Oh, my gosh. We are so lucky to have these two uh, carrying on the proud RCST tradition and covering local sports on KLWN. Derek, you do a tremendous job. Nick, you're the five-star recruit Derek needed. What a tandem. (laughs) So as we head into the holiday season, please know how much I appreciate you. I love listening. I'm so proud of you both. And, uh, yes, My main man, Nate Miller, helping me with my retirement portfolio. There's not much in it, but he's going to grow whatever I got. He'll do the same for you at MillerRetirementGroup.com. Whatever your current investment level is, he'll help you set some long-term financial future goals. Check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Happy holidays, guys. We'll see you in the fog on Saturday. And get ready for some magic, man. I hope we get a a 93 Jacques Vaughn, lightning strikes twice type moment with maybe some big Grady moments as well in the fog.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it again, Brian. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Brian Haney. Nick, cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. KU Mailbag, next. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Four o'clock hour here. Fun conversation there with Brian Haney. If you missed any of it, you'll have to check it out on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you find uh, your podcasts and Uh, Coming up in our next segment, we're going to continue on with our Bowls of KU Football Past, the 1981 Hall of Fame Classic, which I got a chance uh, earlier today there was a a KU men's basketball media availability with Bill Self and Jalen Wilson. We'll get to that audio later in the show. So I had a chance to to see David Lawrence and and asked him some questions about the bowl game and and that season. So uh, we got got a fun one coming up in the next segment here. But we got to get to our KU mailbag before we do that. Venue 1235 is a large climate controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and covered patio. They are the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering located right off I 70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence with venue 1235. All right, into the KU mailbag. First up, this one from Matt. I know Pettiford has been hurt and Bill is set on him being the backup ball handler. I'm just not sure, even when he's been healthy that he's effective enough to play many minutes. Is Joe not the better option, all things considered? All right, here's the deal.
1: You can't... I don't want you to look at any of the stats. Don't look at any stats. Nothing. Only one thing matters in this discussion. Who is more trustworthy for Bill? Bobby Pettiford. There's your answer. It's it's as simple as that. Now, listen. Obviously, Joe brings some some things to, to... The floor that Bobby doesn't in terms of scoring and whatnot. But at the end of the day, Bill Self, it's just who he trusts, man. And he trusts Bobby. He trusts him to run the offense. He trusts him as a facilitator. And that's just that's just how it is. Right? Like, like again, I don't know. Do I need to tap the sign again? He's gonna play 20 minutes a game. And you're gonna like it. You're gonna deal with it. It doesn't matter. Right? And I mean, it would I think it would take like it would take one of two things. It would take either Joe somehow. Garnering that level of trust, which doesn't seem possible, or it would take Joe just like scoring so much and so efficiently that he literally can't not be on the floor. Like, yeah, to, like I, Joe would have to shoot like 70% from the floor, scoring like 20 points a game for like five straight games. Or mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know what it would take. So, I, I understand the sentiment there, but when it comes down to it, you know. Bobby has the trust of, of Bill. And and again, Bobby's a great player. I mean, he's he's he brings a lot of different skills to the table as well as a facilitator and that stuff and he's you know, a, an extension of Dewan Harris basically, right? So, it's not a knock against Bobby at all and and Joe his issue I think is he's probably not consistent enough.
0: Mhm. So, okay, a couple things. One, the the yeah, the thing that Bill self said at, at his presser earlier today about um, Yeah, we'll get to that. When Dewan can't be on the floor, Or or when Dwan's not on the floor, we need Bobby out there, essentially. Bobby has to be on the floor. I I think this boils down to one thing. Joe Yasefu is being used in his role and is being viewed as a shooting guard, as an off guard. Bobby Pettiford is not. And And that that may be a fair assessment. It may be, because Joe might be at his best when he can just be a free scorer, and that would be most helpful for Kansas to have a guy like that. Whereas the Bobby Pettiford, he is more of your facilitator. For instance, Bobby Pettiford is averaging 2.1 assists per game in 15 minutes. If you converted that per 40 numbers, by the way, are not to be used uh, at all moments. But situations like this where Pettiford's playing 15 minutes and Yesufu's playing 13, I'm going to use them just because it's close enough to give you an idea. And just per 40 minutes, um, Bobby Pettiford would be averaging 5.7 assists per 40. Joe Yesifu would be averaging 0. .9. So the facilitation and running the offense and yep. knowing what sets to be in is completely different. I think yep. they said that during the Tennessee game, um, they weren't able to like run their sets when Joe was out there because he's not used to being the guy who's initiating the sets which at the point guard spot. Which,
1: if he's not even practicing that role, then that makes sense. Right? Yes. Like if, if, if his role viewed within the team is as an off guard, and he's probably not even really getting the chance to practice in that role, right? So, so so from that standpoint, it's almost difficult to compare the two guys because they're they're being asked to do really two different things.
0: Yeah, so on, on that standpoint, it's just I, I just don't think it's gonna happen. But maybe there should be an interesting conversation of would KU be better off if they tried to make Joe back into that point guard. I think the problem you run into there is we saw that be the case last year, and it, he just kind of overthought things, and the scoring element of his game went away. It is tough because right now, Bobby Pettiford, it feels like there have been a lot of empty calories with him playing. I mentioned those per 40 numbers, and the, the main reason you don't use them is because, like, oh, Michael Jankovic is second on Kansas in per 40 points per game. Does that tell you he's the second best player? <laughs> he's just be limited by playing time? No, there's a reason he's not playing as much. But usually the reason you're told not to use per 40 numbers is because it can increase a, a guy's stats to look too good. Bobby Pettiford is only averaging 7.7 points per 40 minutes, which is by far last among players who have scored. Like Zach Clements is obviously, you know, well below that. Uh, But the only players lower, Kyle Cuff, Cam Martin, Dylan Wilhite, who have played, I don't know, a collective like five minutes minutes or something, right? Yeah, ten minutes. So you're not getting a ton of production there and you need more. I don't expect it to change, and I do think their roles are different enough that it's not a conversation of this guy or this guy. Yeah. I think they're different enough that, that they're kind of different paths. But yeah, if, if Bobby Pettiford continues to have games where he has you know zero points on 0-1 shooting with one turnover and one assist, is he really impacting things enough to make you not think that the Yesifu might deserve a shake at the point guard? But again... We saw that last year, and it
1: didn't really work out for him. He seems no, I, to be
0: doing better in this role, so I don't I don't know.
1: I do kind of agree with you on the sentiment of it's. I don't think it's really fair to be like one or the other, just because they, they are being asked to and are doing different things mm-hmm. right now.
0: This one from Larry. Real tree or fake tree?
1: Oh, come on, man. Real tree all the way. Come on. Gotta get a real tree. Listen, I have very fond Christmas memories of my family. My family always, my mom and dad always believed in going and getting a real tree. In fact, sometimes they would literally take us to the tree farm and make us cut it down like actually go cut the tree like down you specifically cut it well down. like I would be there like my dad would probably be the one doing it but like I remember as a kid I would go and we would do it as a family like the whole family would go in the car we'd drive to the tree farm we'd walk around the tree farm find the one we wanted and then we'd literally cut it down and take it back so you know the real tree I think is the best because then you take it home you get to decorate it you know it's exciting and everything but I will say you know there are exceptions like if you if you are a renter, or you live in an apartment or something, I think a fake tree is perfectly fine. Or if you don't have a family necessarily, if you don't have a large like cuz like to me I don't have a family right now. Like obviously I am you know, I don't have any kids or anything like that. So I'm not going to get a real tree like for my own uh, my own place because I don't I'm not going to. There's I, no tree. Right now I'm no tree. But <laughs> I'll probably I mean, I don't know. I might I don't know. That that's that's beside the point. The point the point is like I I my view is Real tree, 100%. If you have like a family with kids, you know, because the kids can decorate, it's fun, everybody, you know. But you can decorate. still
0: decorate a fake tree.
1: But it's not the same. Why? It's
0: just not the same. You can still decorate. It's you the still whole put up the shebang.
1: It's the whole shebang, Derek. <laughs> you got to get the tree, you got to put up the tree and decorate it, right? Plus, nowadays, almost any fake tree you find, they're pre decorated. I've never seen one of those. No, that's interesting. You've never seen a pre decorated tree? No, I pre- haven't. Fake tree?
0: I guess that's the new thing. So we have a we have a fake tree at my house. We did one year I, uh, a real tree, and I remember it was cool. And it was I don't know. You get the Christmas like the evergreen smell and stuff, but I just remember it being a mess. Pine yeah, needles see, everywhere. That's
1: another reason why I say like if you have yeah. an apartment or if you don't or if you're renting, then I think that's a reasonable.
0: You situation touch to it, you get, get tree sap on your hand. You're worried about what types of like hey, oh, bugs or also, things are living in there. I, yeah, you have to water forgot. it all you, the time. If
1: you have pets. Then that's another reason why you might want to go for a fake tree. But mm-hmm. I have like my parents have always had cats, and they just dealt with it. Like we had a we actually my parents had like a water bottle spray bottle. They would spray the cats and keep them away from the tree. But you know, the, uh, again, that's just my opinion. My opinion is if if you have if you have a nuclear family and if you you should go out and do it. And I think it's a great experience because like for me, like I said, I'm older now and I have a lot of great memories of decorating the tree and getting the truth. But
0: see, all your memories as a kid were not of, hey, I have to... I'm the adult that's having to carry the tree in, and I'm the one cutting it well, out gonna, in the cold I'm weather. I'm the one doing that, and I'm eventually. strapping it on my car. Your uh, fun memories are oh, look at that guy putting the tree on our car, and let me just yeah, put but the I ornament on it. it. And I know, stuff.
1: but that's the easy well, then, job. Okay, well, now when I now have kids, now that you're an
0: adult, when it's I, hard. I'm
1: going to do this. I know. When I, when I have kids and when that I have a family, fun. I'm going to be like, all right, let's go get our tree. You know. <laughs> now, there were other. Now, I'm not saying we went and cut it down. Like, there were plenty of years where we just drove to Lowe's and got a tree from Lowe's and drove it did that you know what i mean that's mm-hmm. so it's the same deal you know what I mean? same thing <laughs> is it yes how's
0: that any different than getting a fake tree i it's totally different i don't really care if you if you want to do either spunk if you want to do the real tree and put in the extra effort to do it more power to you but i have no problem if you do fake trees
1: i, I don't have a problem with, like i said I, I, just fact, I, I, a, I just listed a bunch of reasons why i do it i had i just listed a bunch of reasons why if you have a fake tree it's probably fine yeah but like and like like i said like until I have a family, I'll probably either have a fake tree or maybe just no tree. I'll just keep going back with my parents'
0: house. I love the environmental side of it where it's like you get on one hand, you get the people who are real tree. It's like, dude, you're cutting down our trees. Like, we need trees. That's how we breathe. We have the oxygen from the trees. The other side of it is like, well, these plastic trees are probably not good for the environment that we're making. it. So, no, just ruining the environment. But it doesn't matter. Uh, this one from Todd. If KJ keeps playing like this, are you prepared to have two more seasons after this year of Dewan and KJ in the starting lineup?
1: Okay. This this question made me have visions. I had visions. I went to 2024. Of sugar plums. I had Dancing. visions. In your head. And the visions were Bill Self salivating over the idea of having a, a more developed Ernest Uday at the five. KJ Adams at the four. Now he can shoot it a little bit. Harris at the point guard, and every single possession is just a post-up and or lob. (laughs) So if that's what you're ready for, that's what you're gonna get. And I can tell you, dude, Bill Self is like, you know, you're going to sleep. It's uh, yeah. Instead of having visions of dancing sugar plums in his head, Bill Self is having visions of sophomore year Ernest Uday posting up along with KJ Adams doing post stuff too, and Dewan Harris lobbing it to him or posting up every possession. Yeah, there there is a serious question
0: moving forward if that is the thing about what the spacing would be there, but who knows? Maybe with another year seasoning, KJ does I mean, develop. Is that, is that not a bit exactly what yourself would want? <laughs> maybe. I, I, that's just uh, that's not a lot of spacing out there. But again, I'm just you telling, know, you, can what you, I'm just telling you what he wants. Time. Um, plus, you never know who's going to stick around, who's not. But yeah, I mean, in the, in the case of Dewan and KJ, even if they continue to play really well, which they have been here, neither one of those guys is is really popping up on. Mock drafts, right? No, no. To where, yeah, they very much could be in tow for another two more years. So, yes, on one hand, it definitely makes it so that you have to get unique with your roster construction. Like, you can't just go out. If that is your starting lineup with KJ, Ernest Uday, and Dawn Harris, next are going to do? I know. Then you have to make sure your number, your, your shooting guard and uh, small forward have to be elite level shooters, which is fine now because right now you have, have Grady, Grady Dick, Dick and yes. Jalen Wilson and Kevin Kohler have been shooting good <clears> from yep. three, right? Yeah. Shooting well. Um, so that it just puts more emphasis and stress on, on you being able to do that. But having guys who are veterans, those tend to be the best teams for Bill Self. Knowing that these guys are playing well right yeah, now I mean, and look could who, be here for another couple look, more years, that's just exciting. Won,
1: look who just won the national championship. Oh, a veteran team.
0: Mm-hmm. This one from Jayhawk for life. <laughs> when in public and a stranger wearing KU gear walks by and says Rock Chalk, do you reply Rock Chalk or Jayhawk?
1: Okay, obviously you replied Jayhawk. For sure. 100%. I, I say rock idea. chalk back. No, cuz the chant I always feel weird chalk, about it. Jayhawk.
0: That's the chant. I always feel weird about it. So I never feel okay. comfortable. But if I say so
2: I don't know, that just feels weird okay. too.
0: Here's the deal. No, you would definitely, you, you, definitely would you definitely go up to Jayhawk. a stranger in any other way and complete their sentence? It's the chant. What do you mean? <laughs> Well, I don't. I don't understand. What, but maybe he's saying rock chalk. Maybe he's saying where's the disconnect? You can, but you say rock chalk without you can saying say jayhawk. It stand right? Alone. Yeah. That's what I'm but saying. It's, the, it's 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 the. So chain. how do you know they're not doing? What if they're not doing the chant? What if they're just saying it? It, what doesn't, if matter. Saying rock chalk? it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a stranger. Because then I could say rock chalk back because they're both standalone and we're basically no, acknowledging to each other and saying to each other rock chalk. No, you say jayhawk. The response is jayhawk. I disagree. I think this is rock chalk. No
1: way, it's man.
0: It's like if I say. If I say hello, you don't say goodbye. We're if we're strangers walking past each other, that's fine. No, if I say hello, you say good afternoon or hello back <laughs> or how are you doing. You don't say goodbye. That I'll would be the goodbye. finishing statement. I'll say that would be like saying, "I'm not
1: going to see you again." We're walking past. Then each other, that's very rude. I goodbye.
0: If I walk by someone Let's and I'm not, like, wait. "Hey," and you're like, "Bye," I'd be like, "What's his problem?
1: <laughs> what did I do?" Okay. Regardless of what you say, which obviously you say Jayhawk, but set that aside for a second. (laughs) The issue that I ran into is a large majority of the time, I will forget that I'm wearing KU gear. And so I can't tell you how many times I've been in, like, an airport or something, and somebody walks up to me and says, or walks past me and says, Rock Jock," And, like, I have to, like, process. Like, what? why did they just say that to me? Oh, right, because I'm wearing KU stuff. And then usually by then, they're, like, already past me. So then I, I honestly, I don't even say anything because I just, I, I just, I... There's a disconnect. I don't realize it because I forget that I'm wearing a
0: Oh, yeah. I've, I've for sure had but, the awkward encounter where somebody says it and then you just say something random. Like, I, I think I've said thanks before. It's <laughs> like a response.
1: But I will say, you know, going to Memphis, there's going to be a lot of K fans. I'm going to be locked okay. in. I'm going to be locked okay. in. Okay, if anybody sees Nick Springer
0: in Memphis, which I don't know if you know what he looks like because we're on the radio. That's but good anyway, yeah. if, That's good if you see him in Memphis and you say rock chalk to him and you catch him saying anything other than Jayhawk, please report to me. <laughs> Last one from Jason. You can combine any two KU basketball players to make one mega player. Who do you go with? All right. So, so I, would, we, I would assume for the sake of this, I we, think it'll make it more interesting. If you combine the players, you now lose, like, the, the players other, you combine. You know player? what I mean? Okay. No, that's fine. So, like, if I combine Dewan and Kevin McCollar, I don't have the mega Dewan <laughs> McCollar in addition to both those no, players, that right?
1: Sense. So are we, are we doing just this team then? Yes. On this yes. <clears throat>
0: See, because it's interesting, because that that rule makes it interesting, because you don't necessarily want to use up two of your best
1: players, right? Because you could say, yeah. but imagine—I want to. I think I think your best option for this team would be to combine like KJ and
0: Ernest. <laughs> I was gonna. That would actually be really good if you had KJ's everything with like Ernest's length. Exactly. I mean, that would be a dominant center. That would yeah. be one of the best centers in the I country. Think, yeah. I was gonna say, what if you combined Grady Dick with Ernest Douday? You had Ernest what, slang, what
1: would that even look like?
0: Victor Wembenyama, but shorter? <laughs> Seriously. Imagine Ernest Uday able to come off screens and just square up and be a 45% <laughs>
1: three-point shooter.
0: Now, on one hand, I don't know if Bill Self would love his center shooting that many
1: threes, so maybe that's no, not the yeah. good fit. I think KJ and Ernest is a better option. Because you get, you get a super crazy high-motor center who can play 35 minutes a game. And mm-hmm. run really, really well, and he's tall. Now, the now I, I think when you, the problem with combining those two guys is, you still don't have really a post game. No. What if we combine Cam Martin with MJ Rice,
0: so that now we still have all our productive starters that haven't been touched, okay. and now we have we add in a six, MJ's
1: athleticism, athletic, fast right?
0: guy ability and wing with Cam Martin's touch and shooting and height, I guess. Yeah, then you well, immediately okay. go and, from we have questions about the bench to we have a superstar coming off the bench. <laughs> well, wouldn't he just
1: start over KJ? Maybe. Wouldn't MJ Martin? Just I don't know start what position over, that guy would be. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't MJ Martin just start over <laughs> KJ?
0: Yeah, or Kaby? Possibly. I don't know. Um, what if we combine Joe Yastfou and Bobby Pettiford Back to the first question. That would eliminate this whole argument yeah, about. I know. I know. There you go. That is obvious. Joe scoring and shooting. Just play the guy. Bobby's facilitating. <laughs> Could that guy supplant Dewan as a starter? Uh, no. No. What? I don't think so. I think Dewan's too good. Um, Even if
1: he's scoring a bunch?
0: Yeah. I, I do. Honestly, I keep going back to I just want to combine Grady Dick with something random <laughs> just to make it like an amazing no, player who yeah. shoots really well. Yeah. I mean, you could do Grady Dick and MJ Rice. Well, what about Grady Dick and KJ Adams? You have this six <laughs> seven burly wing who is the most athletic player on the court, one of the strongest, and now he's just popping <laughs> he just, threes on everybody. Just, but is that better than Grady Dick and Ernest Duda? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think it could be. It's more of a switchable player. If you do Grady and MJ Rice, then you just have electric speed within crazy hops. A guy who is going to go out and transition and make insane plays and also shoot a ton of threes. But imagine if you did Grady and KJ, you could start MJ
0: Rice and have the five-wing lineup where you have shooting all over. I mean, (laughs) uh, that'd be remarkable. I don't know. There's some fun answers there. I like that question. Thank you, Jason. That was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you to everybody who uh, submitted a question this week. If uh, you want to submit any questions, you can hit us up for next week at RCST 1320. You can find uh, Nick at Nick Springer 29, myself at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We continue on with our bowl games of KU Football Pass, the 1981 Hall of Fame Classic next. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, continue on with our bowl games of KU football past with the 1981 Hall of Fame classic. Our last bowl was the uh, 1975 Sun Bowl from yesterday. So Okay,
1: so why I'm confused why this is the Hall of Fame classic. Why isn't like why isn't it like a the Hall like, of Fame classic bowl, claim you know, or the Hall of Fame bowler? Like what's what I'm confused here. I
0: don't know. It was a bowl game, but yeah, for whatever reason they got to call it the classic as opposed to a bowl. That's dumb. I mean they don't call the I know this is a little different but the national championship. That'd be funny if they called it the National Bowl. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the but like the National Championship it's played at the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Or it's played, you know, or it was was I mean wasn't the National Championship in the BCS era wasn't it just whatever bowl? Yeah, yeah,
0: they they rotated the different, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, yeah, the Rose exactly. Bowl, right? Yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly. So it was still like a bowl quote unquote sort of. Yes. So well, anyway, so just, whatever the reason, I'm, we're just starting this off. I'm just I'm, I'm irrationally upset that this is not a bowl.
0: Well, it's no longer a bowl, so you don't have to worry about it. But uh, they make the 1975 Sun Bowl a year after they went six and five in 1976. Did not make a bowl. There weren't as many back then. Wouldn't have another winning season until this year in 1981. Don Fambrough, at this point, had taken back over as head coach. So it was Don Fambrough for stint one. And then Bud Moore took over for the 1975 Sun Bowl, which uh, leads them to that season with like the V or triple option or whatever. Then Fambro takes back over for his second stint, and this was his third season back in his second stint, his seventh overall as Kansas head coach. And how about this? One of the team captains, David Lawrence. David, Nice. So they opened the season a fifteen to eleven win against Tulsa, fifteen to eleven, huh? Very odd score. Yeah, no kidding. A Tulsa team ended up okay. They went six and five, close win. Then they beat Oregon nineteen to ten. Oregon was bad that year. Kentucky twenty one to sixteen. Kentucky was also bad that year. <laughs> Arkansas State seventeen to sixteen. Who was in the same Tulsa vein, like six and five team in a in a smaller conference? But you round out the non con, you are now four and zero. And go. Th- then they had a couple struggles. They opened Big Eight play with a twenty to seven loss to Oklahoma State, a forty five to seven loss at Oklahoma. So that moved them back to four and two. Bounced back the next week, seventeen to fourteen win over Kansas State. That sucks, Kansas State.
1: Wait, why didn't? Oh, never mind. Okay, continue.
0: And then they lost again. This time it was to Nebraska, thirty one to fifteen. So they're sitting at five and three, good record. And then they sprinted to the finish line to make it from what would have been a solid season to a great one. They beat Iowa State twenty four to eleven. I think that one was on the road. They beat Colorado twenty seven to nothing. So now they're sitting at seven and three. So you uh, enter into the Missouri game. Now we're cooking. Yes. You enter into the Missouri game here, and coming into the game, Missouri was sitting at seven and three, which was the same record that Kansas had yeah at the time and i want to say missouri was ranked pretty highly coming into the game i could be wrong okay they weren't ranked coming into the game but at one point that season missouri peaked as high as number 8 so they were having a pretty good year again they were 7 and 6
1: or 7 and 3
0: or 7 and 3 i'm sorry um and so coming into the game the rumor or at least what was supposed to happen was that the winner of the game was going to get the Tangerine Bowl. Missouri somehow finagled their way into getting the bowl invite
1: Dude, before the game. I'm so sick and tired of Missouri having all this sway of, Oh, we, we get to choose what bowl game we're playing in. Oh, we're in
0: Missouri. <laughs> I mean, Give me a, a break, break man. Come on. To be fair, we have the the whatever it was 1960 or 1961 season where uh, I think Missouri got it uh, got the bowl game despite, you know, KU should have gotten it, but then the I next year no. KU got yeah. it despite Missouri probably should have gotten it. Yeah. And then you have the the 08 Orange Bowl that you could argue Missouri could sure. have got that it. So doesn't fit it's going back that and forth. It doesn't fit my narrative. Well, nonetheless, that team was obviously very upset about it as you'd imagine. And Don Fambro hated Missouri to begin with. I'm sure he got the team very pumped up and in <laughs> fact as I mentioned earlier I chatted up with uh, David Lawrence before the show and he so said yeah Don Fambro
1: was Where was this where was that game? Into it. Where was that game played? Was it at Missouri or was it at Kansas? Um it-,
0: it was at Kansas.
1: Okay. In Lawrence.
0: Yes. Nice. In lovely Lawrence. Um and it was a game that early on I want to say at least at some point in the game, they cheap-shotted Frank Sire, who was the head or the uh, quarterback for KU. Good quarterback. And they cheap-shotted him. I think he had to miss time from the game. So, I mean, you have all this stuff going on. It's classic kind of KU-Missouri rivalry. KU just smacks them. And it was 19. The, the final score, you look at it, and you're like, oh, it was 19-11. That's a close game. David Lawrence was quick to point out to me. <laughs> he was quick to point out to me. He goes, Yeah, but that game was nineteen to three. They scored on the last play of the game and went for two. They scored like at the very end of the game. They went for two to make it a closer game. But like they, we dominated the whole game. So KU wins that game. They finished the the regular season eight and three. Finished tied for third in the Big Eight, only behind Nebraska and Oklahoma. This is wild. Despite going eight and three. They averaged 15.7 points per game, which was 103rd in the country. Wow. They actually gave up more points than they scored that year. They gave up 16.2 points per game.
1: So they're the 2022
0: Minnesota the Vikings. Vikings. Yes. Yeah, and the Vikings. They win all the close ones, and they Man. just had a couple, you know, the 45-7 the to 7 loss to Oklahoma, the 31-15 yeah. to 15 loss to Nebraska. Like, that'll get you there. Yep. Uh, but still, I mean, you defensively, you go up 16 points per game. That's really strong. So they get invited to the Hall of Fame Classic because Missouri goes to the tangerine bowl. And uh, that was played in Birmingham, Alabama on December thirty first. The opponent was Mississippi State, who entered at seven and four after they finished third in the SEC, which like looking now, you're like, Wait, they finished third in the SEC at seven and four? That just sounds so foreign. Obviously the oh, SEC was yeah. a lot different then than it is now with yeah. you know, you have schools joining, but um We've had a lot of these other bowls that had controversy throughout the Bowls. This one didn't start with controversy, but maybe some bad luck or bad football for KU. I know you're you're gonna be mad about KU returning the opening kickoff <laughs> because guess what? It got fumbled.
1: Well, okay. I'll just say this. When you when the touchback used to be to the twenty, which was up until like what, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, returning a kickoff was not that stupid. I'm only mad about returning kickoffs when it, now you get it at the 25. Okay. That's so fair. if you're getting it at the 20, that's fine. Okay. Return the kick. I don't care.
0: Okay. So they fumbled. And then well, on the very next I mean, play. I mean, re- I care if they fumbled. But you still – yeah, okay. You, you care about the results, not the process. <laughs> um, On the next play, Mississippi State scored a touchdown. So you're immediately down 7 nothing. And, 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 I mean, if you want to call it bad luck instead of bad football, which it is bad football to fumble, but here's what's kind of bad luck. KU fumbled one time. For the game, it was that time they lost it. <laughs> Mississippi State fumbled five times; they lost one. That is bad. That's just bad luck. That is bad luck.
1: That's just bad luck.
0: So the Bulldogs added a field goal in the second quarter. They led ten nothing at half. That wound up being the final score. Kind of an uneventful bowl. Kansas had just thirty five rushing yards. They had two hundred six total yards, and they had eighty two penalty yards.
1: If the KU Arkansas Liberty Bowl and it's ten zero, I'm gonna be so mad. Like just, I'm just gonna be just, I'm just gonna be angry. What if Kansas wins 10-0? If they win 10-0, I'll be happy. Well, it's 3-0 Kansas.
0: No, 2-0 Kansas. <laughs> I'd be happy. Okay. If Kansas wins, I don't. Care. A little bored though during the game. Um, maybe, but I don't <laughs> care. It's the
1: first bowl game in a long time. I'll be happy regardless.
0: So that was the bowl for KU, and again, kind of uneventful. Uh, both teams ended up having a long bowl drought afterwards. Ten years for Mississippi State before the next one, eleven for Kansas. But as was pointed out to me by DL, the Missouri game for them felt like the bowl. That yeah. to them he equated it to me as that was their Super Bowl. And he said it's not, you know, it's it's not that I, they didn't care about the Hall of Fame Classic, like certainly you're playing in a game you want to win. Yeah. But clearly they cared a lot more for the Missouri game <laughs> and and maybe they didn't get up for it as much for the Mississippi State. Like in their eyes the season was already a success. We beat Missouri. Yeah. We went 8-3. and three. We made a bowl game. Like, who cares what happens here, you know? Um, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to disagree with that. Yeah. So then Don Fambro would coach one more season the the following season, and then he would retire. Obviously, David Lawrence went on to big things. I think that team had John Hadle as their offensive coordinator. Some uh, cool tie-ins for that team. So uh, our next one. Is going to be after that eleven-year bowl drought. That'll be in tomorrow's show. We'll do the nineteen ninety-two Aloha Bowl, which will be the first of back-to-back Aloha bowls, and that'll probably start to get into when a lot of people remember starting to watch KU football. So, not us. That's Obviously, right. we weren't alive for that. But <laughs> all right, he's Nick Springer. As Brian
1: Haney pointed out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a time out when we come back. Switch gears. Talk a little college football. This is RCST. Portersville five here on rock chalk sports talk with nick springer i'm Derek johnson on klwn we uh got into a little college football playoff talk yesterday and went over our betting uh recap for the season and one of the things we talked about was the the blowout potential of the two games yeah i wanted to do a deeper dive into this because it feels like something we just say as a sports community all the time like oh every game's a blowout oh they all suck All the games suck. What if we actually look at it and tell you how many of them do suck? And honestly, (laughs) it's more than I thought. Really? It is more than... I thought usually it would be like most years one of the two games sucks and the other one's like, okay. And then occasionally we get a good game.
1: But it is like... That's not even the case, is it? No,
0: no. Overwhelming majority. Here are the completely... I I, I tiered them into three lists. We have the complete one-sided games. We have the kind of
1: the the complete sucky game.
0: Yes, the the in between games where it's like it feels kind of like this team's gonna win, but it's close ish that maybe they could make a run. And then we have the close games, the actual good games, right? Yeah. So here's all the one sided games, and and tell me if you want to move any of these into the the kind of middle tier. Okay. 2015, Oregon beats Florida State 59 to 20. Very clearly one sided, right? One sided, yeah. 2016, Clemson beats Oklahoma 37 to 17. I don't really remember that one. Was that? It was a I mean, boring Baker, game, but was Baker the quarterback for Oklahoma, I guess? Um, I think that was like Baker's first year. That was not uh Actually, that was in I think 2015 because it was a December 31st game. Uh but yeah, uh, I, that was not Baker's uh, Heisman year. I think he won the Heisman the next season. Okay. Um uh, but Clemson Did I mean they it have was
1: Deshaun Watson. Oklahoma was
0: winning at halftime. So, I don't know. Maybe I could count that one in the mid cuz they were up 17 to 16 at halftime. And then Clemson scored dominated them. went up four uh, 14 points or, or something in the uh the third quarter I'm fine with that they being led a 23 playoff. 17 then 30 to 17 with four minutes left and then they scored early in the fourth quarter to go up 37 17. so the last 10 minutes of the game it was a 20-point game
1: yeah I'm fine with
0: that okay so that's one-sided uh 2016 Alabama beat Michigan State 38 nothing dude Alabama beat Michigan State so bad I don't even remember Michigan State being in the playoffs <laughs> Uh, 2017, this could count for like a mid game if you want, but it was a never really a game. It was just a game that the score was, it, it was Alabama 24, Washington seven in 2017. Washington never had a chance in that game.
1: So this would have been Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin. Mm-hmm.
0: They had those good corners. Yeah. Um, I think they had those two good receivers, right? Was it like John Ross and, uh, yeah, John
1: Ross and, uh, Dante Pettis.
0: Yep. That
1: was a good Washington Pretty team, good team actually.
0: They never had a chance in that game. <laughs> 2017, Clemson beats Ohio State 31-0. Clearly a one-sided game. 2018, I don't remember this game super well, but it was the year that Alabama got the four and Clemson was the one and Alabama beat them 24-6. to It was a 10-3 to yeah, game at half. I don't remember much of that game. Bama either. was up 24-6 to at the end of the third quarter. I, I feel like it was pretty one-sided. I remember that being the... Uh, what was the quarterback saying Kelly Bryant maybe for Clemson? He couldn't do anything against the Alabama defense, and then that's why the next season they, um, I guess went to to Trevor Lawrence. Well, I just looked up the ESPN story, and in the story the headline is Alabama dominates. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> yeah, we should just base it on the headlines. 2019, Clemson beats Notre Dame <clears throat> 30 to three. Clearly not in the game. 2020, LSU beats Oklahoma 63 to 28. Clearly not in the game. Twenty twenty one, this this score sounds closer than I remember the game being. I just remember Najee Harris like hurdling someone from Notre Dame, but uh Alabama won thirty one to fourteen. I want to say Notre Dame like scored late. Yeah, yeah. Alabama was up twenty one seven at half, twenty eight to seven after three. It was thirty one to seven, I think, and then Notre yeah. Dame got a garbage touchdown. So that's clearly okay, one sided. Yeah, that's fine. Twenty twenty one, Ohio State beat Clemson forty nine twenty eight. That score is closer than that game was. That was the game Justin Fields was just throwing all over Clemson. They had off. no chance. Twenty twenty two, Alabama beat Cincinnati twenty seven to six. That's kind of like the Washington one. Like the score, it was never like super out of hand. And defensively, they were able to keep
1: up with them, but they all couldn't I do anything. From that offense. game was the Cincinnati punter just going nuts because he had an elite punt. Do you remember that? No. The Cincinnati punter, he just went. He went That's crazy. Great. He had like a, a a long punt, and he was just like absolutely celebrating out of his mind. And
0: then, see, that's not a good thing if that's your one memory from the game. Uh, 2022, Georgia beat Michigan 34-11. to 11. So, none of those games, all of them were uh, You want to hear,
1: okay, going back to this uh, Alabama-Clemson game from 2018, just because I haven't pulled up. You want to hear Kelly Bryant's stat line for that game? Yeah. 18-36, 124 yards, two interceptions.
0: No touchdowns. That's tough.
1: I want to say like an Alabama player, like an interception. That's crazy or because they had, they had Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. and Hunter Redfro, Amari Rodgers, Ray-Ray McLeod. Like, that's a pretty that's a pretty good team. So the next tier of games, which is kind of
0: the, the middle tier of like, yeah, the other team was kind of in control, but you made it interesting enough. I think you probably could argue that going back that the Clemson-Oklahoma game could be here if you were putting this one here. But also, so the final score on this one, it seems like a close game, but I'm looking back at the box score, and I'm wondering if I should just put it in the one-sided. <laughs> it is 2019 Alabama-Oklahoma. Okay. The final score was 45-34. Kyler Murray went off in that game, and that's a game you would think, oh, 45-34 sounds like an okay game. It's high scoring back pretty, and forth. Pretty close, yeah. Alabama was up 28 to nothing. Oh. Oklahoma crawled back to make it 28-10, to 10, and then eventually it was 31-10 to 10 at halftime. Oklahoma went 10 unanswered in the third. So I guess it was an 11-point game headed into the fourth quarter. But Alabama went up. Alabama never let it be a single-digit game. They went up 38-20. Oklahoma made a 38-27. They went up 45-27. Oklahoma made a 45-34. Then Alabama ran the clock out. So even then, I guess we can consider it a mid-tier, which is just what we put it as, but it's probably leaning closer to being a one-sided game. Oh. That is a lot of games. Like every game. So you might be wondering, well, how many does that leave? Very few. Three games that were actually good. You have 2015, the very first year of the playoff, Ohio State-Alabama. That was a great game. Ohio State wins 42-35, pulls the upset. 2018, the Georgia-Oklahoma game, which that might be the best game we've had uh, of any of the semifinals. 54-48 at the Rose Bowl, went to overtime. Yep. And then 2020 if, if you're not picking the the overtime game it'd probably be this one Clemson beats Ohio State 29 to 23. So you've had three close games the playoff has been around so 2015 16 17 18 19 oh, 20, and we're 20, gonna expand. 22. So we have eight playoffs that gives us 16 playoff games. only three of the 16 playoff games have been good. oh and by the way we're gonna expand.
1: Let's expand guys oh good idea. Good idea, guys. I don't know. We're
0: all gonna watch it anyway.
1: Let's watch UCF lose by a hundred
0: Alabama, but I guess it can't hurt, right? Uh,
1: I mean, like, what's the difference? They're blowouts anyway. Well, <laughs> I guess the difference would you'd have to be like, well, it dilutes the regular season. But I mean, mm. nah. I'm just, I'm just being. I'm just being, I don't actually necessarily believe all that stuff. I'm just being negative, being cynical. Well, I guess what this shows
0: me is that basically odds would say. Now, if you want to defy the odds, you can because, you know, streaks are until they aren't. Yeah. But every single year, at least one of the games, and on average, both of the games have been blowouts. So do you dare defy
1: history this year? Okay. I think here's what's going to happen. I think the Michigan-TCU game is going to be a la the Alabama-Oklahoma 2019 or the uh, some of those other games that were like, kind of close, but it was never in doubt, right? I think that's how that game is going to be. And then I think Georgia-Ohio State will either be a blowout or it'll be a good game which I know that's a really dramatic statement. Yeah, so if you, if you so have to gonna pick be one to be a blowout, you'd pick Georgia Ohio State. I'd pick Georgia Ohio State. I agree um
0: but I could see both being blowouts. <clears throat> I mean if if TCU if the Michigan defense, which has been great so far this season
1: and let's not forget like well, that's what I'm saying, like Michigan like I I held Ohio State I to see the Michigan game being like 24 to 10. Michigan's going to win. But it'll be like a 24-10 to 10 where it's like, okay, TCU never really had a chance. Yeah, like
0: TCU can't move the ball enough on offense. And then I could see like the Michigan running game starting to wear them yep. down in the fourth quarter. Yep. They score late, touchdown, extend the lead or something. Yeah, yeah it's, I like, it's like 17-3,
1: to three, and then it's 24-3, to three, and then TCU scores late or something, and it's 24-10. to 10. Yeah.
0: I think with the Georgia-Ohio State one, what's interesting there for me is that if you were saying – if you let Georgia pick their first round matchup, I think Ohio State would be their last pick. Yeah, they'd want to. They play. would
1: not pick Ohio State for sure.
0: No, just matchup wise. They probably, probably would rather
1: play Clemson. Certainly, oh, rather of course play they Clemson. Would. Clemson sucks.
0: Yeah, why would they not rather play Clemson? Um, <laughs> I think that yeah, uh, when you look at Michigan, they're gonna try to just out physical you, and and that's kind of Georgia too. So they're just gonna be like, oh, we'll just do better what you do. With the TCU game, they're just going to view it as, yeah, okay, you're kind of unique with what you do offensively, but we're just we're that much better than you, yeah. right? Or, yeah, or we feel like yeah. we have that much better athletes. Yeah, Ohio State, they have a lot of the four- and five-star athletes that Georgia has, and they have the the scheme and the receivers and the ability to to stretch out the field enough that makes it interesting. And I go back to that that one, the, the 2015 Ohio State year, where Ohio State barely gets into the playoff, they get the four seed, and they upset number 1 Alabama. I wouldn't be shocked if that's what happens against Georgia. I really wouldn't. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I don't think it's the most likely scenario. Like It's not above 50%, but I I do. I I think Ohio State has a better chance of beating Georgia than TCU has of beating Michigan.
1: Maybe. But I still think that Georgia has a higher chance of blowing out Ohio State than Michigan does Yeah, so does like TCU. Ohio
0: State has a better chance of beating TCU. Georgia has a better chance of covering the spread than Michigan. I don't even know what you just tried to say, but it was not right. I basically just said what you said in a better term.
1: No, you said it way worse. You said that Ohio State could beat TCU, Michigan could cover against – I don't even know what you said. You what had the it? whole thing backwards. Ohio
0: State has a better chance of beating Georgia – You said TCU the first time. Okay, then TCU has a beating Michigan. There we go. Yes. But okay, Georgia has a better chance of covering the spread against Ohio State than Michigan does against TCU. There we go. Okay, okay.
1: I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you that it's just not even close to what you said the first time.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got They're both going to be blowouts, by uh, the way. KU basketball audio. With Bill Self, Jalen Wilson coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. They're both going
1: to be blowouts, and we're going to watch.
0: Yep. This is RCST. We'll be back after this.